Wow, this chain is expanding so fast. It feels like you guys have a new branch opening somewhere in the town centre every single week. I mean, in some ways it's sad that we don't have a library anymore. But I guess that means I can keep these two faded and dog-eared Lee child thrillers, eh? Very probably. What can I get you today, sir? Yeah, um, can I get an Americano, please? Coffee. Yes. Shh. Coffee. Yes, yes, please. Black with. Black with what, sir? Sugar, obviously. Not obviously, no. Not obviously. Could have been... Could have been... Milk. Black with milk. Yeah. Is this your first day working here? Shh. No, sir. I've worked here for 12 years. But you're correct to infer that this is my first day selling coffee. Here you are, sir. Black Americano with sugar. It's due back in 28 days. Hello everybody, it's your favourite personal trainer, Laurent Abdijaparov, here for your 12 o'clock shake-up. You've learned the moves, we've got the grooves, and step, and one, and step, and two, and three, and four, three, and four, and move like Jagger. Move like Jagger. One and two, three and four. Whoopi Goldberg. Uh! Whoopi Goldberg. Uh! Step and two, three and four. And golden shower. Golden shower. Uh! Two. Uh! Two. Let's fly to Sweden. Fly to Sweden. One and two. Three and four. Gordon Ramsay. Uh! Gordon Ramsay. Uh! One, two, three, four. Okay. Okay, let's bring it down. Everybody rest. Oh, Christ. My name is Glenn Coolidge and I'm the CEO here at Blunderbuss Solutions. We're a small technology company based in Tring. We're a disruptor. We're an agile company with some really quite significant contracts and an expanding customer base. 
we're putting the pandemic behind us and moving into a, a more hybrid work pattern. We all do two days per week in the office and three days working from home. I myself am in the office on Tuesdays and Thursdays because that's when we have most of our critical meetings. Being at home on Mondays and Fridays makes the weekend feel a little longer too. Everyone can pick and choose which two days they're in the office and we've not noticed any issues or challenges with the new system. We have over 30 employees and it's genuinely nice to see them all again and catch up on everything we've missed. All except Kelly Ashdown. I've not sent her the return to office email and in all likelihood I probably won't. We polled the staff and found that they were 100% in agreement that Kelly shouldn't come back to the office. She's a very negative person in a number of ways. She's always eating or moaning about her lodger or the weather or parking or really anything that just floats into her brain. She's one of those people who takes more than her fair share from the breakfast buffet that I used to lay on for staff back, back in the before times every Friday. There were always pastry crumbs over her keyboard and 14 pairs of shoes under her desk. She'd reapply her eyebrows in meetings. She had very thick, very horizontal eyebrows. We used to joke that she must have used a spirit level when she painted them. She was always showing us photographs of her dog too, all the time, even in top-level meetings. A most unappetising beagle. I think it has a syndrome. Also, she isn't terribly bright or even remotely good at her job. We can't fire her because one of the 60 or so words she has learned is the word tribunal. You know the type. Confrontational. Difficult. No self-awareness. Big beefy upper arms with no muscle definition. Oh. We think we'll give it a year or two before giving the staff another opportunity to vote on whether or not we want Kelly to come back to the office. But to be honest, I can't see it happening. She just thinks everyone's still working from home. And actually, I think she's still clapping for the NHS every Wednesday. Good morning, head teacher. Isn't it though? Right, I'll not keep you long, Mr. Hodges. It's time for the dreaded annual appraisal. Yes, I was up until 1am last night filling out the form. Oh dear, I'm pretty sure that most of your colleagues just fill them out during quiet lessons. You know, when the students are just copying out notes or reading textbooks or something. That's as maybe I teach PE. Do you now? 
Well, well, well. Yes, much like I have for the last six years. Six years. Right then, Todgers, let's get to it. What did you call me? Mr. Todgers. Hodges. (laughs) Mr. Hodges. It's bad enough the kids giving me nicknames. Oh, Hodger the Todger isn't so bad. Could be worse. Mr. Wicks has been called Boris by all the students for decades and no one knows why. Kids are weird. Kids are weird. Please don't write that down. So, uh, Hodger, where do you see yourself in five years' time? Um, Probably out on the sports field, teaching the children how to play all manner of sports. Lack of ambition. And what about in ten years' time? And don't say underneath a motorway bridge swinging from a rope. (laughs) Well, I I wasn't going to say that. That's that's dark. (laughs) That's what I told Boris. Too dark, I said. I, I I don't see my role changing until I'm until I'm no longer fit to teach sports. To be perfectly honest, no longer fit. Are you writing that down? You're taking me out of context. Well, I, I have to record your responses. You seem to be just recording the bad bits, which is highly prejudicial. Uh, Mr. Todger. Hodges. Uh, Mr. Hodges, you're an excellent PE teacher. In six years, you've taught hundreds of classes with no infant fatalities. In addition, we often win county tournaments in various sports, so you needn't be defensive. This isn't a witch hunt, whatever the education secretary says. Oh, don't get me started. Oh, I know. Such a silly cow. You'd think she'd never even been to a school. Don't get me started. Moreover, I love teaching PE and find it hugely rewarding. Are you going to write that down? Oh, I don't need to write down every last detail. Just build up a general picture sort of thing. For the education secretary, I see. It's their new initiative, Operation Mass Redundancy. I beg your pardon, Dr Kriegshammer? Oh, I probably shouldn't have said that. Uh, Do try not to worry. I I am, in fact, very worried. I am, in fact, very worried. Are you building a case to fire me in order to satisfy government-mandated budget cuts? Absolutely not. Maybe a teensy bit? I'll be notifying the union, you know. Threat of union action. This is so unfair. You've got plenty of shitty teachers. Why not pick on one of them? I must fulfil the quotas. No, fire suicidal old Boris, fire Skeletor, fire Mrs Tittington or the Welsh pedo. Personal attack on colleagues. Mrs Whittington is an excellent educator. She is an alcoholic who hates children. Hmm. 
I'm just going to bring in someone from HR, if that's okay. No, it's not okay. I'm one of the best teachers you have. Please don't make me redundant in some cost-cutting box-ticking exercise. (sighs) Okay, give me a name. I've I've got to get rid of a few staff. If not you, then who? Well, uh... Give me a name, Todger! I don't... I don't think... A name! This is really... N-A-M-E. Mr Wicks. You really think sacking Boris is going to help his depression? It'll be the best thing that's ever happened to him. He can't handle the job or the children or the hours or the parents or the, or the pressure. Uh, I suppose you're right. He's old. He's had his day. Let him, let him bow out now with dignity. Mm. I suppose you're right. After all, a length of rope will be much cheaper than a carriage clock. Bubbles. Bubbles. I really can't be asked to go to the pub. I mean, I like Kevin and I'd like to buy him a birthday pint, but his friends are awful. And I can't bear Weatherspoons at the best of times. I, I, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. I don't know. Say you can't do it. Uh, say your grand's died. <laughs> what? Lie? Well, yeah, it'll give you an excuse. You know, they, they don't know you very well and it's plausible. No, no, I, I, I couldn't possibly do that. Oh, it's just a white lie, no biggie. It's telling someone that a family member has died. That's not a white lie. <sighs> well, I mean, they don't know any better. It won't matter to them anyway. You're right, they're a terrible bunch of freaks, especially that one with the hair, you know, the one never does his flies up. Mm. Just text Kevin and tell him a little fib. A fiblet, a fibilemma. No, that just doesn't sit right with me. Oh, well, whatever, mate. You'll work something out. Sorry, I am. Um, I didn't mean to wake you. It's all right, love. What are you doing here so late? Shh. Just, just go back to sleep. Shh. Just sleep. Just, just sleep. Just fucking sleep. Sleep. Morning, mate. How did Kevin take it? Did you make something up in the end? No. 
No, I... I didn't lie. Frame number three, Adam Duffy, to break. So, uh, frame three gets underway. Just a reminder, you're here with us until nine o'clock on BBC Two. After that, you'll have to watch online or fiddle about with your red buttons. On a brighter note, a slight change of personnel here in the commentary box. I'm still here, of course, but uh, Stephen has had to excuse himself in order to put more money on the parking meter, so I'm joined yet again by my old sparring partner, the man they call the hatchet man from Halifax, Phil Hornsby. Evening, all. The Hendry's fibbing, by the way, Dave. He's, uh, he's not parked on a metre. He's in the lobby bar for happy hour. As I was until but moments ago. Neither player looks to have really settled down yet, but we've seen some familiar flashes of magic from O'Sullivan. Eight. A two-for-one deal on Guinness, actually, and uh, Nuki Brown for a fiver. Bottomless peanuts. Let's see if those butterflies are beat in this third frame. I also consumed a scotch egg. The no discount for happy hour, sadly. Sixteen. Of course, uh, Ronnie is possibly still feeling the after-effects of that late-night battle with John Higgins from yesterday's quarter-final. Very draining, or a a late nail-biter like that. Twenty-four. Twenty-five. I got 50p off of the price of a sausage roll as I convinced the bar staff that the sausage rolls were on the turn. I hope you were uh, watching the match down there, Phil. What did you make of the first two frames? 32. 33. A load of balls got potted. I think somebody needs a glass of water. If you're making a bar run, I'll have another Guinness. Hello, yeah. 
I meant that you should uh, drink some water to sort out those hiccups. Reset your diaphragm. 48. Oh. 49. Oh, no, I see. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what, I'll just hold my breath, shall I? Um, I'll fix it. Hang on. Fifty-six. Fifty-seven. Duffy needs to be careful here. He's uh, let Ronnie in 64. with a, a good chance here. He could soon find himself heavily in arrears. Sixty-five. Ronnie's potting is as smooth as ever. Seventy-two. Seventy-three. Mm. <coughs> mm. Sorry. Let's hope those bottomless peanuts don't make their way to your bottom, Philip. Tricky uh, positional shot required here. Ronnie has... Uh, Oh, 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 good gracious. Well, there's something wrong, David boy. Phil, have you done an eggy? I've done what? A fart, a guff. Have you broken wind? I can assure you, I have not. Eighty-eight. Are you entirely sure? Because I seem to be in some considerable nasal distress. Whoever smelt it, dealt it. He who cut the cheese, blamed the breeze. Whoever cut the mustard, that's your bastard. Eighty-nine. Whoever said the rhyme did the crime. He who denied it, supplied it. Ninety-six. The man from Halifax town turned all the air in here brown. Ninety-seven. Whoever had four pints of stout. One hundred and twelve. Might have followed through, actually. Um, back in a minute. Uh, oh, Christ, it's a work one.
Um, I don't quite know when I first heard the term, but it's got to be going back almost 20 years or so. Once I found out what was involved, it certainly piqued my interest, though uh, I'm not even sure what I'd call myself, to be honest. And, you know, being on the periphery of this subculture as I am. To be a dogger, one would assume you have to engage somehow in the sex act itself, either passively by viewing or, of course, hammering away in person, but I actually do neither, though of course I, I am in the general vicinity. I know I've always had a slightly prurient disposition, but not for women, or indeed men. What I really go along for is actually the vehicular action. There are some splendid models to be found in the seedy laybys in my little backwater. You see, ever since I was a young lad, I've, I've always been a, a fancier of large estate cars. <laughs> I just find the design, the aesthetic, the aerodynamism, or lack thereof, <laughs> um, uh, to be uh, very stimulating. I like the bigger rear ends. <laughs> my mum says I'm a booty man. She doesn't know I'm here, though. She wouldn't like it. She'd think it were dirty. But it's not. It, it, it's just so happens that some of the rarer examples of this oft-lamented car class are actually owned by notorious members of the dogging community. Hence my being here tonight at a trucker stop on the A52 near Horbling Fen. I used to subscribe to Reader's Car magazine, but um, this is way more satisfying. It is that's what I've come to see tonight. That, ladies and gentlemen, behind that small crowd is a 2002 Rover 75 Tourer. And if that woman would just move her ankles off the tailgate, I can... God, I can't quite see. Um, those men's behinds are slightly obscuring... The, oh, no, yes, yes, oh, oh yes, it's a, it's a Vandom Plow edition. <laughs> yeah, I knew it. No, no, she's immaculate, she really is. The rover, obviously, not, not the... Uh, not oh, he's a lucky man. Now, um, alongside that is an Audi Q5, that's not my sort of thing. <laughs> they're, they're enjoying it though. <laughs> yeah, um, Ford S Max, sensible option, a lot of bang for your buck. Volvo V70, ditto. Nissan Micra, don't know what that's doing here. They must be bloody balmy attempting what they're doing in that. Perverts. Oh, now this is interesting. Yet more doggers, as you see, pulling into the lay-by here to join the fray. Oh, blimey, they look keen. Oh, and that is a tick in the box for me. The lesser-spotted Vauxhall Carlton. Yeah, that's a 1.8 GL K-Reg, so what, 92? Au naturel in maroon. 
Now, I think you'll find if they all transfer their copulation to that car, the increased cubic capacity and ride height will actually aid their endeavours considerably. And you can see they're considering it. Oh, but no, looks like she's telling him she prefers the deep shag of the rover's boot lining carpet. Not surprised, it's less abrasive and she'll be thankful of that in the morning by the looks of things. Oh, right, well, and with that viewing, I'm spent. <laughs> Good night, everyone. I'm, I'm off for a bath and a hot cross bun. <laughs> what? Oh, no, Christ, no, I don't, I don't drive in the state. <laughs> no, no, sir. <laughs> yeah, well, I know the danger of sex addictions. That's why I drive a Dacia Sandero. There is nothing less sexy on the roads. <laughs> I'm not a mug. Now listen. The Electric Sodcast was written and performed by James Burton and Ian Martin, featuring Amy Burton-Smith. <laughs>